Our gospel today is from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everybody who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Thanks be to God. Gracious God, as we pause in prayer and come to come into your presence, we hear the sound of the rain on the roof, and we see the flow of rain all around us, and we pray that your grace and your love might rain down on us, and that the waters that flow all around us this morning might remind us of our baptism, where we become your beloved children, sons and daughters of God. Open our hearts to your word. Open our hearts to the work of your spirit and open our hearts to one another and our world. In Jesus' name, amen. What is God like? It seems like a simple question, uh, one well-suited to a children's sermon. However, it is perhaps one of the most important questions that any religion can ask. For the answer has profound implications for what we believe about God, ourselves, and our world. Indeed, our entire faith hangs in the balance of how we answer this question. What is God like? Today is Holy Trinity Sunday in the church calendar, which always falls the Sunday after Pentecost. And it's the day when we honor and celebrate and explore the Christian Trinitarian understanding of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. The Trinity is Christianity's answer to the question, what is God like? 
But before we get to the Trinity, I first want to step back and think about the idea of God, the idea of God. The idea of God has always existed in human culture in some fashion, Uh, whether it was because someone had an unexplainable experience or a divine revelation, a longing to know the source of life, to know what happens when this life ends, or longing to name the something more in life. The term God and all the ways that we speak of God seeks to describe the indescribable, to explain the unexplainable, to comprehend the incomprehensible, to imagine the unimaginable. For as St. Anselm of Canterbury observed, God is always bigger than that which we can conceive or imagine. Religions have always tried to describe what God is like. Some say that God is so holy that God's name should not be spoken, like Judaism, or that God is so holy that God's image should not be rendered, like Islam. Some say that God is so multifaceted that there must be many gods and not just one, as we see in Greek and Roman mythology and today in Hinduism. There are many ways to think about God and what God is like, and those ways have consequences. If we believe that God is judgmental or vindictive, we'll act in one way. If we believe that God is compassionate and forgiving, we'll act in another. And you know, we so often say that God is love, and yet I think a lot of us harbor the sense deep down inside that God is a judge. In a recent interview, Pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber talked about growing up in a very religious, uh, conservative religious tradition. And she said this, she said, the God, that I was taught, um, the God that I was taught to fear was angry and capricious with a killer surveillance system who was basically constantly disappointed in me for being human. And this image of God, as she tells her story, helped nearly drive her to self-destruction until she discovered in the Lutheran tradition the God of grace. What is God like? The great theologian Mary Daly famously wrote, if God is male, then male is God. And by that she meant that if maleness is the only way that we think or speak of God, then we can easily begin to see maleness as closer to holiness or to godliness. Despite the feminine traits of God we see in the Bible and the incredible witness of women in the Bible and the church. And the same goes for whether we conceive of God as white. Uh, If God is white, then white is God. A few years ago, forensic scientists constructed an image of Jesus um, based on what they imagined a Palestinian Jew might look like at the time that Jesus lived. And it was far from what most of us grew up with or what we see pictured in our narthex. It was a brown-skinned, nappy-haired man with large features, and it shook up how people imagined what Jesus looked like and their image of God. Of course, we can also make God into our own image instead of the other way around. Uh, Author Anne Lamont has said, you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. So our images of God are complex. They're complicated and rich, but they're limited by our imaginations and our language and influenced by our perceptions and experiences of the world. As another great theologian, Gordon Kaufman, wrote, 
The word God has many dimensions of meaning, many nuances, many uses, and we can never do justice to them all. Within the Bible, there are many, many ways of describing what God is like. In the Bible, each story, each book, each testament is saying something about God, describing what God is like. The Bible is like a composite image of God, like when many witnesses describe someone, and the descriptions at times overlap or conflict or confirm one another. And finally, through all these perspectives, an image develops and becomes more refined and clear. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, is the way that Christianity has answered that question about what God is like. But you won't find the word Trinity anywhere in the Bible. Although there are moments where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are spoken of and appear together, the Trinity as an idea didn't finally become agreed upon until nearly 300 years after Jesus, in the year 325 with the Council of Nicaea. It was then that the early church agreed upon a common creed about what God is like. They said, we believe in God, the maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, and so on. One God in three persons, three persons in one God. And there is a true genius and real gift to conceiving God in this way. As Gordon Coffin writes, the Trinity holds together the three indispensable and inseparable strands in Christian thinking about God. The first person, God the Creator, captures the Godness of God, the Alpha and the Omega, transcendent, omnipotent, all-powerful, this is the God we hear of in Isaiah 6, where the cherubim and the seraphim are circling the throne of God, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. This is the God that we see when we look at creation, the God who is vastly bigger than all of our challenges, all of our fears, all of our earthly cares, the God that has brought all things into being and called those things good, the God who is so powerful and so holy the cherubim and the seraphim must cover their eyes while they sing. The third person, the Holy Spirit, who came to the disciples on Pentecost and gave birth to the church, is the power, life, and love of God living in us, always with us, moving in us and inspiring us, omnipresent, meeting us right where we are for 2,000 years, giving life to the church. The Holy Spirit is the advocate, the counselor, the breath of God who intercedes with us with sighs too deep for words that prays when we don't know how to pray. This is the God that we feel in those God moments, in moments of serendipitous surprise. God alive and at work in the world, in us and through us and all around us. And the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, is the Word made flesh, God who walked among us, who showed us in flesh and bone what God is like, loving, compassionate, forgiving, a God who welcomes the stranger, who insists on justice, who shows us how to live and points us to the way of a new and better world 
where the blind can see, the hungry are fed, and the lost are found. He is God incarnate, the approachable God that Nicodemus comes to in the middle of the night, bringing questions and seeking hope. And we see among these three persons of God that God is all about relationship. God is relationship at heart, loving and mutual, relationship among these three people and in relationship to us. So what does this all mean? And why does it matter? Earlier this week, as I was thinking about the Trinity and these Bible passages, I visited with a family who just lost a family member. I arrived at the house probably an hour after their loved one had died and sat with them for hours reflecting on that person's life, thinking about what to do next, who to call, and what to say, and how to tell it. And I thought about the God who brought life out of death. And we prayed to the God that died on the cross and rose again so that their loved one would have eternal life. Later in the week, I visited someone who was dying at the hospital. And we sat at their bedside and told stories about them, and we prayed with her. And in those moments, I thought of the Holy Spirit filling that room as we prayed together. And the God who was bigger than all that we were feeling and all that we were going through. To the Jesus that knew exactly what that grief and that suffering were like. We prayed to the Trinity at the bedside of our dying friend. We prayed to the Trinity in the face of unexpected death. And God was there. And so we have this God who is bigger than anything that we can imagine, bigger than our fears, bigger than our grief, bigger than any of our sickness or disease. It was the God who created the universe and put us on this earth and calls us beloved. We have a God who never leaves us, who is always with us, who empowers us to love and serve our neighbors even when we feel inadequate to the task. And we have a God in Jesus who has shown us how to live and who died on a cross so that we'd never be alone in our suffering and who rose again so that hope always follows despair, that love always conquers fears, and that new life always follows death. We have a God who loves us so much that the creator of the universe would slip into human skin in Jesus and die for us and abide with us forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This, Christians say, this is what God is like. Amen.